You're listening to Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, a podcast about life through the lens of music. Welcome to the show. I'm Jay Mack in St. Louis, joined by my co-host. Hey, this is Sam Wade in St. Louis. What? I am in the bunker right what? now with Jay Mack. The first time that we've hung out in person since 2019. We're both vaccinated. It's been really cool to see you in person again, man. It's crazy that it's been this long. It's actually insane. But we've got an incredible show. We're going to we're going to do a little musical film favorite rock and roll films. But before we get to all that, I'd like to remind our listeners Every Wednesday, a new show drops on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify, as well as a B-side, which drops every Saturday. A B-side's kind of a little snippet, like a little blurb, something that doesn't fit into the show proper, but is really fun to listen to, and it's really short. So I, I definitely encourage our listeners, or anybody, to listen to the B-sides on every Saturday. We also have a Facebook, facebook.com slash two tape decks. Look us up. Updates to the show. Send us messages. All kinds of cool stuff. Sam, how the hell have you been? J-Mac, it's been real, right? I mean, it's been good lately. Everybody is uh, feeling the the upswing, the, the you know, getting vaccinated. Um, there's a lot of places that no longer are uh, requiring a mask for people who are vaccinated. And the the desire for normalcy is strong in the air. And it's it's good, man. It feels good to be sitting here doing this face to face for the first time, really on two two tape decks that we've ever done this in the same room. So that's pretty cool. Wouldn't you agree? First time for everything. I love it. Absolutely love it. So you actually came up with this idea for the episode we're going to do tonight. Do you want to just kind of break it down for our listeners? Because I think I can't believe yeah. it took us this long to come to this conclusion or this idea. It's pretty, pretty freaking cool. Well, I mean, we've touched on on kind of this subject before. And, you know, we're. I thought it would be cool if we talked about um, music films. You know, just talk about a bunch of them in one show. Because, you know, there really are so many good Music films. This isn't going to be musicals. This is going to be music films. F- films about the music industry or bands or things like that. Right. We each pick three. I've got three. You got three. But there's going to be quite a few honorable mentions. So we'll just uh, say that right up front. So if you love music films, you're going to love this episode. Sam, do you want to go first on what your one of your top three favorite music slash rock and roll films would be? We're talking about music films, not just musicals. But I mean, like... There's just a bunch of them that are so good that we're not going to spend a time on because it would take 20 hours to talk about all these movies that exist. I agree. There's so many. There's no way we get to all of them. I mean, we were we were spitballing earlier talking about all these. I'm, I'm holding up this list. Let's just like name some of these that like all of these music films. Drop a few on me. I got uh, we got Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Oh, I'll, that, that that's not on my list, but it's a classic. Um, I know a lot of people would uh, love Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yep. Um, there's uh, uh, Rocket Man, The Dirt, um, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, Walk the Line, The Doors, Hard Day's Night, Magical Mystery Tour, uh, La La Land, uh, Green Book. 
there's just there's so many here. Woodstock, I think you know it's like almost a documentary, but it's still a music film. I think we've got some good ones here. Feel free to message us with with your favorites. Yeah. We'd love to hear what what you guys think. As always, Facebook.com slash two tape decks. It's really easy for me to pick. Like, if we're only picking three to talk about tonight, there's one movie from me, J-Mac, that is just always at the top of my list. It's actually probably my favorite film of all time. Lay it on me, brother. For me, it's going to have to be That Thing You Do. That's a fabulous movie, and I feel like if if anything uh, encapsulated what it would be like to be in a band and almost make it, that would be pretty freaking close. You know, there's just so much going for this film. And and if there's anybody listening that hasn't seen that film, and you just love like a just like a like a fun, great character driven film um, with amazing music, and you know Tom Hanks is in it. He actually wrote it and directed it. It was his first film he ever uh, directed. Um, it was right off the hot on the heels of him winning two Oscars, and he made uh, that thing you do. It was um, uh, one of the producers on the film was Jonathan Demme, um, who directed uh, Philadelphia. Uh, he, there's just so much amazing about the film, and you know what my favorite parts of the film is? The songs stand on their own. You know, if Tom Hanks ever were to hear this episode, the thing that I would plead him for, and I know that there's. Hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, of vinyl collectors that would say this, too. Release the soundtrack on vinyl. It's just so good. Okay, so look, this film takes place in the 60s. It's about a one-hit wonder band. And what they did is, like, there's this whole roster of fictional bands and artists that perform in the movie on top of the main band, The Wonders. And the songs are just so well-written. They have their own unique identity. And it just carries uh, carries a story along. You know what else is amazing about this film? is it's an early film for a lot of people that have gone on to be in bigger films. Do you know whose first film this was? Tell me. Charlize Theron. Yeah. I forgot she was even in this. She's in it. She plays the girlfriend of uh, Guy Patterson, who's the drummer. I remember it now, but dude, I can't can't believe that that was her first. Are you? That's crazy. She, I'm pretty sure it was like her super, first. She's like a superstar now. She's, you know, yeah, one of the biggest movie stars around, and she was in this. Um, you know, who else was in this? Was uh, Steve Zahn was in this? A really young Steve Zahn. Giovanni Ribisi is in this film. Giovanni Ribisi is amazing. I remember him on My Name Is Earl. Yeah, he's a, he's a hilarious. He was on Friends actor. as Phoebe's brother. That's right. I forgot about yep, that. Yep. Yep. You know who else is in that thing you do is Liv Tyler. Really young Liv oh Tyler. Oh my God, I forgot. So, J-Mac, you know what one of the most uh, notable things about this film is, too, is that the title track, That Thing You Do, which is a tremendously catchy song and just a great pop rock song in its own it right. Could, it could be on the radio. It's that good. It is. And it was written by uh, the late Adam Schlesinger, who was the lead singer for Fountains of Wayne. That's right. He died recently, didn't he? He did. He actually passed early on from complications from COVID. That's right. Um, and it's a sad that. loss for the world. And that dude was an incredible songwriter. So I just wanted to kind of like... Do a shout out to him too. May he rest in peace. He, you know, I know he's missed by so many music fans, but you can hear his work in this film, and it's phenomenal. The soundtrack is definitely—it's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. It really is. It's—you believe the band is real. I know it's, it's true. A, I know it's a bunch of studio music, musicians, but you believe what you're seeing is the real band, and that's—that's that's a trick, and especially in today's jaded culture. It really is, you know. And you know what else is about what's great about this film is it's one of those films like The Princess Bride where it's like so quotable. 
Like, I don't know yep. if you know this or not, but actually here in St. Louis, from my time playing in the scene here, there's like this whole subculture of, I know for sure, St. Louis artists that quote this movie all the time, like backstage in the green room. Nice. Uh, Give me an example. A lot of the lines are, are from uh, from Lenny's character, like these comic relief lines. Like, I remember this one, he's like, they're on a they're on a TV show, it's like a TV ad, and they're at the state fair where they're playing, and they're doing an interview, and everybody's like saying hi, it's like a Beatles moment, serious. Yeah. And then uh, Steve Zahn's character comes on, and he's like, Oh, I'm not here with these fellas. I got a pig in competition over at the livestock <laughs> pavilion, and I'm going to win that blue ribbon. And he says it in his, you know, hilarious voice. You know, it's so quotable. Um, so many different lines. What sticks out to me is that line where he goes, "But this guy's got a really cool trailer." <laughs> <laughs> I'm signing. Yeah. You're signing. We're all signing. It's a, it's a great movie. Uh, switching gears. I love the movie. This is Spinal Tap. It's not. On the surface, it doesn't seem to be intelligent. It's a bunch of buffoons, but it's, <laughs> it's it's such a smart movie. There's so many talk about quotable lines. It's true. But this goes to eleven. I mean, I love it when he does this little diatribe backstage about the little sandwiches. Spinal Tap. I've I've heard Ozzy Osbourne say that he was like it's difficult for him to watch because he's like this is not not a parody. This is what actually happens. It's a it's a seething documentary on the music business. You know, for for listeners that maybe have not seen this film, like set it like set up. What's actually happening in this film? It's a washed up band from I, I guess the early '80s or late '70s that's on their come quote comeback tour, and of, of course it's 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 played like it's an actual band, but it's not. And you've got uh, Michael McKeon and Harry Shearer, and like uh, Rob Reiner's in it. Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest. And basically, it's a washed-up band that's trying to get their fame back and fails at every fucking turn. Well, and they have no, like, self-awareness either. No, no, like... no they don't know how ridiculous and, like, Smell the Glove is, the, is their album title. And it's like Fran Dresser, Dresher's in it. It's just a great movie, but it's... It's a mockumentary. Yeah, I think it might have been the first mockumentary ever made. It's definitely one of the earliest. Yes. Um, I, you know, it's 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 almost like a rock mockumentary. I mean, it yes. really is that. It's kind of what put Rob Reiner on the map. Like, I actually know that because of the success of this film, he got the support and funding to make his passion project, which was The Princess Bride. So well, it's pretty significant from that standpoint, too. Previous to this, he was known as Meathead on All in the Family. That's right. If you haven't seen it, and I I get two different reactions from this movie. Some people that love it, and there's other people that dearly love early 80s, late 70s rock music. Yeah. And are offended by it. Oh, it is so <laughs> irreverent, especially when it comes to that. I mean, like, it shows, like, the ridiculousness of inflated egos and, like, uh, kind of the byproduct of celebrity of these of these guys that are, like, really stuck in a bubble in their own bubble of of rock. And But, you know, it's always self-conscious as a film knowing that it's poking fun at these things, right? So check it out. This is Spinal Tap. Sam, what is pick number two for you? Well, for me, J-Mac... In the next movie, directly, like, pretty much tied for my favorite film ever, would have to be Almost Famous. I've just recently watched that front to back. I've seen parts of it. But, dude, it's one of those movies that sticks with you long after you finish watching it. So it's it's kind of like this... Um, it, it Actually, it's not kind of like... It is basically based on Cameron Crowe's early life um, but he took his experiences being on the road with bands like Sabbath and uh, he went on tour with um, uh, the Allman Brothers 
And he took those experiences where he was uh, a Rolling Stone uh, reporter when he was like 15 years old, convinced them to hire him and uh, and went on tour with these guys. And it's he took all these stories and wrapped it inside this story about a kid named William who goes out on this adventure with these rock bands. And uh, it's another one of those films that has all these little moments like if you if you've ever seen a camera crow film and you know that he like creates these little moments in his film that like really stick with you and all of a sudden it can be insane and hilarious and you get this moment and it just gets serious all of a sudden and just really touching you well, know my favorite character in this movie is jason lee oh he's great in this former professional skateboarder also known as my name is earl <laughs> Right. But I guess this movie, it seems so real because how how many bands did this really happen to? Well, it's all, you know, a lot of the, the things that happen in the story are based on things that actually happen with bands. One of my favorite scenes in the film is, so there's this character played by Billy Crudup called, uh, named Russell, who's like the lead guitarist in the band. And yep. he's the one that like the people at the record label want to market as, you know, like the face of the band because, you know, girls think he's cute and he's like an amazing musician. And there's a scene, without giving away too much, because you really should go and see the film if you haven't seen it, but now, but there's a scene where they have a big fight and a big blowout after a show backstage, and he basically quits the band and ends up, uh, through a crazy turn of events, at just like an everyday teenage house party, um, where he drops acid. Oh, is this where he's on the roof? Yeah, he ends up on the roof. And he's standing there, and he lifts his hands in the air and says, I am a golden god. Which it's is amazing. Which is famous last words. Um, and in fact, I think that was actually based on an experience that happened with Robert Plant, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so it got worked into the story. Uh, but that's just one of the greatest scenes. And then right after that scene is really one of the most touching and amazing scenes in the film where he actually gets back with the band, and he's on the tour bus. And they're all mad at each other, hating each other. Do you know what I'm talking about? We talked about this scene, uh, the tiny dancer scene, right? That's right, where they just slowly start all singing the song together, and the music kind of heals them, and it's amazing. It's and Kate Hudson's in this, right? Kate Hudson is a is just like an angel in this film. She plays Penny Lane, um, a groupie, is, right? Yeah, but they they call She's them more than that. They call them band aids, right? Yeah, band aids. She's incredible. Uh, in that film I mean there and there's such a cast of characters and I have to mention I'm not sure if you saw the director's cut but the director's cut no, has not. has a lot of footage in it that's not in the original cut it's a lot of fun like actually makes the story about everybody not just William I think they're both great edits but there's the scene I have to mention in the director's cut where they go and do this radio show and it's like a late night radio show. And Kyle Gass from Tenacious D is the host. I love Kyle Gass. Yeah. And there he's basically is so high out of his <laughs> mind that he passes out in the middle of the interview, in the middle of a sentence. And the band realizes it and you slowly see them, you know, in their young selves kind of take to the airwaves and start saying dirty words so on the they air. realize that, that it's it's yeah. the, the inmates have control of the asylum. Exactly. Kind of. Nice. It's it's a really funny scene, but Really, I mean, there's and there's so many Easter eggs hidden in the film and tributes to other things. Like, I mean, there and there's so many famous people in it too, uh, or so many people that went on to be famous. Jimmy Fallon bigger. was in it, right? Jimmy Fallon was in it. Zoe Deschanel is in it as well. Oh, there we go. Really there we young. go. Frances McDormand. Yep, yep. There's this great scene, right, where uh, she's yelling at her daughter, played by Zoe Deschanel. She's not approving of her music, and she's holding up a Simon and Garfunkel record. Do you remember this? 
Yeah, and it's Simon and Garfunkel is not the edge of the edge. You know what I'm saying? But apparently, mom was all upset about this. She points to the eyes of them. She's like, "Look at their eyes. They're on drugs. They're on drugs." I and love it's, that. it's that it's that bookends album cover, the one that has you know Mrs. Robinson yeah, on it. She's I love like, that. They're on drugs, or they're they're on pot. Great fucking movie. Check it out if you haven't so seen good. it yet. Okay, I'm going with the Jack Black one on the next one. We talked about Tenacious Dean, The Pick of Destiny. I'm going with School of Rock. Oh, wow. That's a great film. And the reason this movie sticks with me is I have a nine-year-old, and I think if his, if one of his school teachers came to school with an SG and was rocking out, teaching him about Dark Side of the Moon and Stairway to Heaven, I wish I would have had that teacher. I mean, maybe he would have been too much, but I love Jack. This might be Jack Black's quintessential role. He is really great in it, you know, and that's a that's a Mike White script too. He's actually in the film as, as well, and it's just so well done. I think they actually turned that into a musical at some point too. He's basically a guy gets kicked out of his own band, and he he fake substitutes as a music teacher. He, he has no credentials, but he's really good, and the kids love him, and he's got the whole. The whole, uh, I guess they're the gifted kids, and they make a band together, and they go on to do the battle of the bands, and it's it's an amazing movie. One once again, Jack Black shines in this. I know he's known for uh, the slapstick kind of a more adult humor, but this is really a really good movie. Well, you know, might be one of his best. I agree with that, and you know, part of the reason it's such an amazing film too, besides his performance in the script, is uh, really because Richard Linklater, who directed the film, dazed and confused, right? Same guy, slacker. I mean, yep. you can almost argue, you know, that he's responsible for everything that Kevin Smith made too, because I know Kevin Smith was inspired for seeing Slacker. Kevin Smith, he's admitted he owes a huge debt to Richard Linklater. He's able to kind of really bring a human element to the characters, even when craziness is happening on yep. screen. You just you you buy into it. Even though some of the antics are pretty outlandish, at the same time, you believe that Jack Black is this guy. and it's, You really do. But you haven't seen it, go go rent or, or buy Jack Black's School of Rock. Sam, what's your number two pick? Or number three pick, actually. You know, I'm going to talk about a, a film that was smaller when it came out. It came out, I think, 2000. It was actually 2007. It was directed by John Carney. And it was this film, this Irish film called Once. And it stars Glenn Hansard and Marquetta uh, Urglova, um, who were actually a band together when they did this film um, called The Swell Season. And it's one of those films, again, where the music is just so good that it kind of like defines like this whole new experience with the film. So Glenn Hansard uh, actually wrote the bulk of the songs for this film and if you don't know who that is, he he was previously in a band called The Frames, like these uh, kind of like indie rock gods. And, uh, you know, originally the film was supposed to have Damien Rice in the starring role and kind of fell through. So Glenn Hansard was the one that did it. And it's a story about these two characters called Guy and Girl. Um, he is a busker on the streets of uh, Belfast. What's I a busker? A street singer. So he'd okay. stand there with his, his guitar and with the guitar case open and he's just, you know... Like, you know, what you see down in New Orleans. You've you've been a busker a time or two. Absolutely, man. You know, that's it's almost like a sometimes like a rite of passage to go and I, just like I, do whenever that. I see a busker I, I give him some money. I put some money in the in the guitar case or whatever. 
That's cool. Charlie from Lost was a busker. That's right. You know, I was just I was just reading about this film too. They made this film for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Wow, that's that's nothing. It made twenty three million at the box office. Well, that's a good return, sir. It's a good return, and the biggest song from the film is called "Falling Slowly." People will probably know that that song more than the film because it actually won an Oscar for best song. If you ever watched that show, Last Man on Earth, it's the song that that the two guys that uh, Tandy and his brother keep singing in karaoke over and over and over again, falling slowly. Um, But it's a story about a guy and a girl. He's a busker. She's on the street. Um, They meet, and then he's kind of down on his luck, and he's sad from like he he has a broken heart from a failed relationship. They end up becoming friends and started writing music together, and he's he decides um, to go and pursue his dream again to go to London and be a singer. And then it's one of those things where it's like, it's really like how music is created. Okay. There's a scene where he gets a couple other street musicians uh, or a few other street musicians and they go into the studio and they do a, a whole record in a weekend. And one of my favorite scenes from the film is after they do this like marathon three night recording session, they do the final mix and they go and they're like, now it's time for the car ride. Which is car one of the ride. best ways when you're done with a song, go listen to it on the car speaker, drive around town. Oh yeah, I, I've you know? done that. I've done that a million times. Exactly, because you really don't get. To me, it's not doesn't sound good unless it sounds good on the car stereo. The car stereo might be the best place for testing audio. Well, it's you know you know now you'd also have to include like you know uh, headphones, um, and through like an iPhone speakers. But it was definitely at one point it's like where you always heard music, and I think you always gonna listen to music in the car. So it's like yeah, you got to go and take a ride in the car and and feel the music, see how it make, turns make out. Make sure it thump the bass thumps and all the trebles hitting. You can hear there's the right left is mixed right. Yeah, of course. But it's also like being there and enjoying it in in entirety for the first time, like out in the world. World. And it, it's just a cool scene because it's like it just kind of captures what it's like to actually do these things. And there's some really like, you know, um, tender moments in the film, too, and some pretty cool stuff that happens. I don't want to give away the plot. And but this movie is called Once. It's called Once. I've not seen this. I got to put it on my list. Uh, John Carney has gone on to uh, direct to direct a, f- a couple other films. The other one that I'll just give as an honor- as an honorable mention that's really worth watching is his film Sing Street. Uh, about a band that's created like in the early uh, 80s, I believe. So it's pretty good. Ready for my last pick? Lay it on me. Mark Wahlberg, Jennifer Aniston, Rockstar. That is a crazy movie. This movie, the reason I like it is not necessarily because it's 100% realistic. I feel like there's parts that are probably pretty accurate if you know anything about arena rock bands in the 80s. Yeah. I just love the characters of this movie. Mark Wahlberg is, he's a singer in a, in a what's, what's it, Steel Dragon cover band, which I guess is kind of supposed to be like a Motley Crue kind of. Or like Judas, Judas Priest. Judas Priest. Yeah. And it so it just so happens that Steel Dragon singer quits and they audition new singers and Mark Wahlberg gets the, gets the job. It's kind of like what every music fan dreams of is their, their favorite band, calls him up on stage and says right here you go the job is yours once again i mean it does i mean the ending gets kind of corny but i i do i do love the journey of the character from this kind of a guy who gets fired from his own cover band yeah you know and it's it's what's he, cool is it's a it's a movie it's meant to be kind of escapist and fun and it, it can get lighthearted even though it can have sub, heavy subject matter he's kind of a loser and it's got uh timothy Olyphant. Uh, probably better known as Bullock from Deadwood. 
what a great show. It's funny to see him with these hair extensions being this this glam rocker. Yeah. So Dominic West from The Wires, and just a great movie of a journey of a guy from nothing to the top. And then, I, I mean, I'm not going to tell you the ending, but let's just say it doesn't end like you might think it would. But it's a very satisfying ending. And once again, if you're a fan of rock bands at all, I think you'll you'll enjoy this movie because if anybody's read anything about Zeppelin or Crew or Kiss, this kind of stuff happened. The kinds of things they're showing in this movie happened. And how how would an average Joe react to just being swamped with fame and money? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I would have done worse than Mark Wahlberg's character. Well, presented I just, with all those all that money and all that fame, it would be it would be overwhelming. It would be yeah, mind blowing. It would. You know, I have to give a shout out to the director of this film too, because it was directed by Stephen Herrick, and you know he directed two other really significant music films besides Rockstar, which I think kind of encapsulate kind of like his his voice with this film. He directed Mr. Holland's Opus, um, which is another you know. It's in the it's in the top films for me. Um, the music's really good in that, and it it has uh, Richard Dreyfuss, who's a school teacher. Um, he's throughout it, he's trying to write his symphony, and he ends up teaching kids instead. And it, you know that kind of ends up being his symphony. It's just really cool, you know, music story. There's a really cool uh, John Lennon section to that film too. Nice uh, tribute. Um, but he directed that, and he also directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure which is, you know, about the Wild Stallions, and it's basically their pursuit of rock music. So it kind of makes sense for the same guy that would tell stories like that to tell this movie Rockstar. It's it's lighthearted, and it's fun. It's a fun movie to watch. Well, i got to give a couple honorable mentions here. Wayne's World yes. was probably one of the most recognizable movies of, like, the comedy movies from the 90s. I, in fact, when I was growing up, I got compared to Wayne. <laughs> and my and my late friend Adam got compared to Garth because we had the mullets and we would rock them with the baseball hats. We're and not worthy. I relate to that movie because I feel like I was Wayne. That was a, like a pop culture phenom too. Like it single-handedly put Queen back on the charts with, for Bohemian Rhapsody. From Aeros, the scene that Aerosmith film. was that Aerosmith was in that. That was the first time I was ever aware of Aerosmith as a young teenager. I saw him in Wayne's World. I wasn't supposed to be watching it, but I knew <laughs> I knew they were in there. It's a great movie. It is really great. So you got any honorable mention, Sam? Definitely one honorable mention that first comes to mind is the film Tender Mercies. It's a little bit more of a serious drama. It's a it's a Robert Duvall film. Uh, Love Robert Duvall. Oh, dude, he's incredible Godfather. in this movie. Oh, he's incredible in this movie, man. I mean, it's it takes place. I think it came out in like eighty two, eighty three, and he is this washed up country western star, uh, washed up alcoholic country western star, wakes up uh, in a hotel in the middle of nowhere. Um, that's that's part of the, there's a house next to it like with a gas station and this little tiny hotel and there's this woman who's a widow with her son working it and ends up being like this character story them and their relationship that develops with it but it's basically a western and what's interesting about the film too is that there's no soundtrack to the film um, except for the songs that the characters sing nice and it has these tremendously written like country western songs so I've really got to give it a shout out um, the story is great it has a lot of similarities to that film Crazy Heart if you've ever seen that with Jeff Bridges it's the same kind of story or The Wrestler would be another one like these these guys okay, who get like I... a second chance at it you know pursuing their dream great film Tender Mercies and then what music uh, rock and roll movie 
list would be complete without at least one Beatle reference. Hard Day's Night. Definitely probably the Beatles at their funniest, most... Uh, um, well, you can almost argue that it created Beatlemania, like that whole scene at the, at the beginning where they're being chased by the by the fans. Yeah, it's it's. I think it, people kind of thought that that was reality when that came out, you know. And then and then we're in the they're in the train car singing "I Should Have Known Better," <laughs> and in fact, Patty Boyd, who later married George Harrison's in that scene. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yep. So you, for for me, the Beatles movie that I would sh- give a shout out to that I love is Magical Mystery Tour because it's just so weird. Oh, dude, that movie! I feel like I don't know what drugs they were on, but I don't know if my system could take it. But <laughs> it's significant too because that was basically driven by Paul McCartney, from what I understand. Yes, it was. And after th- Brian Epstein's death, I think John Lennon said the reason, the one reason to watch that movie was "I Am the Walrus." That video is just so jacked up. Oh. So cool, man. That, I mean, that just like is everything that inspired me about making music when I was a kid with you and being inspired by the Beatles. Everything that's crazy and swarmy about the Beatles wrapped up in that one clip for I'm the Walrus. Well, this has been great having you here in the bunker, Sam. It's been fun to have a conversation about, you know, music, movies, and just kind of chill, man. Face to face. Face to face. Well, and I've seen the back of your head most of the show. It's been really good to just be down here in the bunker and do... The very first two tape decks episode where we actually were in the same room together. It's it's been cool for that to happen, man. Yeah, it's been. It, I mean, we're we're it's like been six months of Skype and Zoom. Yeah, man, and here it is. For two tape decks and a mixing board, I'm Jay Mack, and I'm Sam Wade. Stay until next week. Stay, Stay cosmic. cosmic.